The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good evening. Happy New Year. Glad to be with you. Big show planned tonight. It is always more fun when you get involved. 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talking text line. When you call in, you'll be talking to Justin. He's the executive producer of the big broadcast. If you're nice to him, you get to me. That's how it works. Uh, we will be covering all sorts of things. I, I said Happy New Year to start the show. Are we? Am I still in the window to say Happy New Year? What is? What's your rule for that i know with christmas you really only say merry christmas on christmas maybe a few days leading up to christmas but happy new year because now justin and i have not uh, seen each other or spoken since last year and i think it's okay to still say happy new year what do you think justin i don't want to offend you if i say happy new year to you oh no i'm definitely with you i saw two people when i walked into work today and i said happy new year so i think it's definitely not too late yet now, when can we, Monday, I'm going to say, Monday is my I would deadline. Agree. Yeah, I if, think Monday started the week next week. I think yeah. that would be perfect, right? I think so, because if I haven't seen you in the first week of the new year, there's a good chance I don't see you that much. And uh, let's just pretend that the, the holiday didn't happen. We'll just move past it. We'll get right back into it. Anybody I needed to talk to uh, this week, I wish them a happy new year. Uh, over the weekend, maybe there'll be a couple more people that I'll either uh, run into or I'll have to give a message to, and that'll be fine. Well, Happy New Year, them. But um, I think I think we're about done. I don't want to. I don't want to keep stretching it out, because I'm actually getting very antsy. This is the. This is usually the weekend. I leave my tree and my Christmas stuff up till uh, the Epiphany, Little Christmas, the twelfth night, which is t- tomorrow. So I'm uh, I'm getting antsy to get the Christmas stuff down. Trends transfer it all over we transition the house into a mardi gras celebration starting tomorrow uh so this weekend will be big trying to get all the christmas stuff put away because i love it love the holidays but then they're over and it's time to move on and a couple years ago we decided because it doesn't your house feel depressing once you take your christmas tree and everything down you know, the house is so bright and it's full of all these beautiful little treasures that you've had for years. And then everything comes down and you're like, oh man, my house is boring. This is just, this is awful. So we're big Mardi Gras people. And a couple of years ago, I said, well, how about we just leave the tree up? We take all the Christmas stuff off it and we put Mardi Gras decorations on it. And here in Wisconsin, it is uh, you can't find Mardi Gras decorations, really. So our daughter had gone to school in at Tulane in New Orleans. So we went on like the Walmart website for the New Orleans store. Oh, you can find everything down there. We bought ornaments and we bought all kinds of goofy decorations, just like you would for Christmas or any other holiday. So we try to keep the house at least celebratory now until, uh, until the... Uh, well, I guess Mardi Gras is over the end of middle of February. Then we then we got nothing. We got nothing after February. The house just gets uh, boring again until springtime. Is your stuff all down at home, Justin? Did you uh, you and your mom and your brother take all your stuff down? Yeah, everything's down by, uh, by now. Yeah, everything's gone. Yeah, how's that? How'd that feel? Oh, so depressing. <laughs> it is. I'm not gonna lie to you. I just uh, last night I sat down 
and uh, we had forgotten to turn the tree on. And I'm like, why is this room so so dark? Oh, the tree. I got to turn. I'm going to keep turning the tree on for as long as it's up. I don't care if somebody wants to look in my window and go, what kind of weirdo has their tree still going? And I know come mid-February, because Mardi Gras is not till after Valentine's Day, people are going to go, do they still have a Christmas tree up? No, we have a Mardi Gras tree up. But uh, that is it. Here's big news, uh, Justin. I don't know if you heard this. I am going to be in the next uh, ballot for Speaker of the House. Because obviously no one can get it done. You don't actually have to be... <laughs> Don't actually have to be in the House of Representatives to be voted the Speaker of the House. So, uh, because it it appears now, and I want to, we're going to talk about this a little bit because this is this is getting it's getting ridiculous. At some point, where is your pride, Kevin McCarthy? Um, according to CNN, six this came six minutes ago. He appears to have suffered defeat in his eleventh bid for House. If you were running for student council president. And you lost 11 times. At what point do you just say, uh, they don't want me here? And why don't they want me here? It doesn't matter. They don't want me here. Um, he actually, in this 11th ballot, now, the uh, CNN is very careful to couch until the final gavel because the legislators can change their mind until the gavel is banged for to finalize the vote so they say he appears to suffer defeat at this point uh a democrat has more votes than kevin mccarthy in the 11th round for speaker uh this is this is truly truly ridiculous and why is this happening well we'll talk about that but i want to know from you just on a personal level at what point do you pack it in and quit? Now, obviously, Kevin McCarthy has been lobbying for this job for years. You remember all the things he said about, you know, when the Republicans take back the majority, he's going to grab the gavel out of Nancy Pelosi's hand, blah, 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 blah. He's compromised himself so many times that now, you know, uh, he's, he's close, but there's still these 20 people who are not going to vote for him no matter what he does. So if you're Kevin McCarthy, do you pack it in or do you battle till, I don't know, because we don't know what happens next. Nothing can get done. The House can do no business. The new legislators cannot be sworn in. Nothing can happen until there is a Speaker of the House. And uh, no matter how many concessions he gives, it doesn't seem to be enough. Some of these people will never flip to vote for him so you heard finn talking about this and playing an interview in the news now even some top republicans are starting to go eh, maybe you should you know think about it think about it because things are not looking good we'll uh, cover this a little more but at what point do you just throw in the towel and say it's obvious that no one likes me and when does pride turn pathetic all that, 855-616-1620. It's the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. I'm Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. This is WTMJ Nights. We're keeping an eye on this uh, craziness that's going on in the House of Representatives. Uh, like I said, it, 
It appears now, according to CNN, that Kevin McCarthy will have lost the 11th ballot. He did not flip a single holdout ballot after through the 10th round, or 10th through the 10th vote. So they are voting for the 11th time. Doesn't look like anything will change. The, uh, the Democrats and GOP hardliners want to push on. There are negotiations ongoing. There's things about a 72-hour grace period for uh, legislators to be able to read different things. Uh, that's one of the demands that are uh, being put toward Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy now has become just a political joke. I don't even even if somehow he gets the votes he needs, what kind of power will he have? He's he's dealt off so many little pieces of himself to whoever just to get the votes. Boy, it just doesn't seem right. A 262 texter says, so Brian, who's it going to be? Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Getz, not many compromised candidates out there who appeal to the ultra-right wing. And that's true. The thing is, though, what I found very interesting or what I find interesting today is these 20, the never, the never McCarthy people, they aren't, they only make up a very small percent of that ultra-right wing group. You know, and they're a very small, like 2% of the Republic. It's a very small group of people that are holding this up. Um, and nobody has flipped. Nothing is happening. Uh, Democratic Rep. Hakeem Jeffries has been, he's been put up for nomination for the last six ballots. He is getting, uh, he's doing, well, at this point right now, he has 171 votes to McCarthy's 154 votes. Um, Representative Kevin Hearn has seven, and uh, Donald J. Trump has one. Then there are 11 other people uh, who have uh, one or more. So we are in the 11th round. It's not going to be, to answer the 262 texter, it's not going to be Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's not going to be Matt Getz. You think think McCarthy's having trouble getting the votes. There's, There's no way those people are getting the votes. Because like I said... The holdouts are a very, very, very small part of the ultra-right-wing sect, and they're an even smaller percentage of the entire Republican caucus in the House. So it is not going to happen. But how can you get—this is what I don't get. These politicians, it's all bluster and ego, and they're the greatest. You know, and uh, Kevin McCarthy had written a book— a while ago saying that he was a tactician of the new young Republican leaders. Uh, But that doesn't really seem to be true anymore because if he was such a tactician, he would have seen this coming and tried to figure something out a while ago. Uh, He is not, uh, like I said, it's even if he is, does eventually get the votes, which I don't think he's going to, how well can you lead when you know there's a there's a at least a small number of people who are never going to support you? There's the whole Democratic side is not good. They're just good. This guy is weak. Whatever. Um, I guess from a personal standpoint, I if if after eleven votes it was clear to me that I was not wanted. I would go away. I would, uh, you know, he's got his advisors. They're having meetings in the um, 
there's a like a uh, uh, ceremonial house speaker of the house office just off the floor. So he's meeting in there with three or four of his uh, friends, advisors, other representatives. They're trying to, the, the people who are out there doing the negotiating, because he's just standing in the back. There was a picture of him during the 10th vote, just standing in the back of the house with his eyes closed, like, oh, please let this end. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would bail. Imagine if you tried out for something so many times, or you ran, like I, I use the example of running for student council president, or something like that, or trying for a promotion at work time and time and time again, and it was clear that you weren't going to get it. When do you stop trying? Now, I know, Justin, you've been trying to unseat me for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. I'm not saying it won't. <laughs> But at what point do you think the quest will end? What what point would you, how long would you have to put up with being shunned before you went, you know what, it's not worth it? I would say three. E either, <laughs> either, either that's three tries or just three attempts. I mean, it's like, because at that point, it's like, do, they re do people really like you? Like, I don't know. No. Exactly. <laughs> No, after eleven tries. Yeah. No, no, they don't. <laughs> when you're get, when you're pushing double digits, that's pretty concerning. It is now uh, the longest speaker contest in a hundred a hundred and sixty four years. It's crazy. It 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 just and it gets crazier by the minute because they just well once they gavel it out, they start a new a new vote, and it's the same people and it's the same results. Now, I don't know what you have to do short of buying one of these uh, extra voters a car or something, which I know is illegal. Uh, but really, do you think, uh, do you put it past anybody in Washington to do something mm, sketchy, as the kids like to say? Uh, I don't. But there's got to be some, He's going to promise so many things that there will be nothing that he could object to because he's promised them all away. You know, now what I think is great, I, Marjorie Taylor Greene is fighting with Lauren Boebert and uh, Matt Gates. He's just, oh, he just hates Kevin McCarthy. So there's, I love watching this uh, infighting amongst the group, but I would like to get the government rolling. You know, let's uh, swear in the uh, the people that got elected. Let's get uh, back to business. Tomorrow's the 6th of January, big, uh, big anniversary on the Capitol floors. So... Uh, I'd like this to be over, but I don't see it. I don't see it changing anytime soon. I know Finn is going to be monitoring this throughout the night. We will too, just because. Uh, oh, he's just okay. Again, this is according to according to CNN. He appears to have suffered his eleventh defeat. We're going for a dozen. Let's go for the dozen. Now, once you get to a dozen, I'm with you, Justin. You're in double digits. It's time to shut up and go away, which I'll do for just a minute, but I'm going to come back on WTMJ. We've been talking about Kevin McCarthy, who appears to have lost his 11th bid for speakership. Uh, the 414 texts in, I think the best option at this point is to find a more moderate Republican and convince some of the Democrats to vote for him or her. The Freedom Caucus members aren't going to change their vote. And again, these this group of 20, a small, a small percentage of the Freedom Caucus, but Kevin McCarthy can only lose four GOP voters, and he's got a lot more than four 
that he has lost. But interesting enough, 414, that idea is being floated by a lot of a lot of people to form a coalition government uh, to get Republicans to come up with a candidate that is, like you said, a little more moderate, more palatable to the Democrats. The Democrats buy into this process, and then they put forward a coalition candidate for the House that would have support from both sides. Because at this point, it sure does not seem like Kevin McCarthy is going to get any <laughs> any change. Nothing has changed in the last uh, the last three or four ballots. So he has failed to flip a single holdout ballot uh, over again this this vote and the last few votes. Nobody is changing. So it is uh, it is not looking good now in this. So far, in the 11th round vote for U.S. House Speaker uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat from New York, has 210 votes, and Kevin McCarthy has 194. So uh, it's it's getting there. Uh, it may be somebody else, and it has happened in states before where someone from the the minority party has ended up being elected speaker because of something like this. Uh, how many times would you ask a woman to marry you before she said yes? I'm sure it's been more than once for most, but yes, 11 is ridiculous. I don't know, Doug. I asked my wife once, and uh, she said yes, because to be honest, if I asked a woman to marry me and she said no, she gets one shot, because let's be honest. Who's more of a catch than me? Justin, be quiet. Who's more of a catch? That's all I'm saying. Uh, from the 414, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and other nuts like her lunatics, welcome to the Trump hangover. Marjorie Taylor Greene is actually on the side of Kevin McCarthy. It's Lauren Boebert who is saying no, and she, keep, uh, she keeps nominating Hearn to be the Speaker of the House. We're now up to 111 votes for... Uh, Hakeem Jeffries at 199 for Kevin McCarthy. We're going to switch this all together. After the news, I want to talk to you about the most exciting sporting event you ever witnessed live. And I will explain why this is top of mind for me when we do this. But first, we have to go to the WTMJ breaking newsroom. That's where Finn Askin is standing by. Brian Noonan tonight till 8 o'clock. And then it is Brewers Weekly with Dominic Catronio. 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. Get involved in the program. We'd love to hear from you, especially now because sports has been, well, th this time of year, sports is a huge story, especially here on WTMJ. We're following the Bucks, of course, following the Packers. We've been following the uh, the horrible situation from Buffalo or from uh, that happened in Cincinnati. Uh, we love sports. Sports is ingrained in society. There's something about being at a sporting event that is much much different than watching it on TV. At home, we can get we get emotionally involved. Sure, we do. We're watching our favorite teams. We're watching uh, teams that we you know we've heard. Oh, this is going to be a good game. We're watching that game. We're getting invested. But if you're at a game, there's something magical about being there when something big happens. So I'm wondering, what is your biggest in-person sports moment? A game you were at that either there was an unbelievable comeback, it was 
you know, your team made it to the playoffs. Were you at the uh, were you at game seven for the Bucks or you know when they won? Were you at a Packers playoff win, a Super Bowl win? Were you at were you were you at your kids' high school football game when they won the you know the conference? Whatever whatever it is, eight five five six one six one six twenty. And this is why I bring this up because my daughter went to school at Tulane, which is in New Orleans. Tulane was never a big football school. Uh, when she was a freshman, they built a new stadium on campus. And that was supposed to be the start of a program rebuild. Well, it didn't really go as planned. They brought in a couple coaches. Things didn't go well. The The, the, the stadium was very lovely on campus. Um, but the, the students didn't go to games. The team was awful. Things were just. Uh, it wasn't a. It wasn't a school that was known for football. They actually have a very good baseball team, but not known for football. They brought in a coach a couple years ago, Willie Fritz, and last year the team went uh, two and ten. Now, Justin, I'm not a. I don't know everything about sports, but that's horrible, isn't it? Not too. Not too. Oh, the good. Bucks won in six. I'm sorry, Bucks won in six. So yes, two and ten, not good. This year. Tulane goes 10 and 2. They're ranked 16th in the country, and they get a bid to go to the Cotton Bowl to play against USC. Now, uh, for those of you who follow college football much closer than I do and follow sports much closer than I do, you know that the USC quarterback has just won the Heisman Trophy. USC, a historic football program. Uh, you know, these, these guys are monsters. They. They send a lot of guys to the NFL. They've won a lot of bowl games. USC is a is a serious program. And Tulane um, was going to their first major bowl game in, I think, what did they say, 25 years? So my daughter being an alum, we watched when they won the uh, American Athletic Conference Championship. We're like, oh, that's great. Next morning I get up, my wife and daughter have decided we're going to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. We're going to road trip down. We're going to uh we're going to see the game because they're playing at Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium. Have you ever been there, Justin? I have not. I, it's a stadium I really need to go to though. It is ridiculous. The size and scope of this place. It is it, it it's just a monstrosity. But so we decide we're going to go. So long story abbreviated a bit. New Year's Eve, I go to bed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. All right. I go to bed in the afternoon, and I get up, and we leave at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'll continue my story, but I want to hear from you, too, your most impressive in-person sports moment. Uh, Chris is in Madison. You've got a couple stories. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, yeah, the, uh, for me, the one that happened first, I was a little kid, 1982, you know, the world, uh, when the, uh, when the Brewers won the pennant, I just remember how excited everybody was walking, you know, just when they won the game and then walking back to our cars, that was really cool. Uh, but the one that, uh, takes first place, uh, when the Badgers beat Ohio state, I think it was like 38 to 10 at camp wow. Randall. And I got, I was sitting in a luxury skybox and I'm sitting right next to Pat Richter, the athletic director. And I did some sports at UW, but nothing that would garner that kind of, you know, pay, I guess. 
But yeah, that is an upgrade, right? Chris. That's, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was just, I mean, the energy. Like the opening kickoff, we run it back for a touchdown, and the place just exploded. And the jump around was like nothing I've ever experienced. I thought the place was going to come down. We could feel it in the skybox. Oh my God! Yeah, it's and it's. I you said that was that was how long ago? The Wisconsin win over OSU. Oh God, I can't. I a can't long time. What year it was? I I think it was Russell Wilson, JJ um, Watt. You know, I mean, it was, okay, the team was we, stacked, and I did. But it's it been a while ago, and it it's been a while, and you can still pull up that feeling from being in that uh, stadium that day, from being at Camp Randall, and just. You can remember everything. That's what these that's what these experiences mean. Chris, thanks for the stories. I appreciate it. We've got more coming in. We'll get to you if you're on hold. Hang on. 855-616-1620. Your most memorable in-person sports moment on WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan on WTMJ Nights. We're talking about your most exciting, impressive, important in-person sports moment. You were at a game when something unbelievable happened, and you remember it like it was yesterday, 855-616-1620. That's how you get a hold of us. Peggy and Doug both have the same one. Robin Yount's 3,000th, 3, uh, there we go, hit. Uh, Peggy says she went three nights in a row, finally saw it. It was amazing. And Doug said he got to see it with his dad, still has the ticket stub, chills up his spine. I can't imagine. That is that is huge. Uh, Chris, a different Chris than the Chris we spoke to before, but uh, something a little closer to home. Hi, Chris. Good evening. Um, mine was 1977 and being in Atlanta for Marquette winning the NCAA tournament title. Oh, man, that had to be crazy. I'd like to go to a, a Final Four uh, championship. That's got to be the energy in there has got to be insane. It definitely was. So your voice still sounds a little hoarse. Is it uh, from that game? <laughs> uh, no, I I've been having a cold recently, so. Uh, oh, all right. Well, I was just worried that it lasted that long. That would have been that would have been a lot of screaming. There was a lot of screaming, but I did get <laughs> back to normal after that. Very good. Well, Chris, thanks for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Uh, let's talk to Pat. Hi, Pat. Hello there. So, what's uh, your what's my, your moment? My events. It's not so much about the sporting event; it's about the people. Uh, we live just a few miles from Road America, and one year we are pulling up in our 1992 Lumina, and <laughs> Ari Leyendike pulls up right next to us and parks right next to us and, and greeted us and shook our hands. And just a couple of years ago, we were at another race out at Road America. I was getting a beer at a beer stand, and here comes Robin Yount, just like any other race fan out there. So it's, it's not always about the event, it's about the people. Right. Well, yeah, you've had some you've had some big athletic uh, encounters just being out just being yeah, out at these it events. It was a lot of fun. That's very cool. Thanks, Pat. Take care. Uh, the reason I brought this up, and please, you feel free to jump in eight five five six one six one six twenty. So I was talking talking about the Cotton Bowl the other day. We drove down. The game was on Monday, and uh, Tulane was not expected to to win. You know, USC was going to roll over them, and it was one of those. I, 
I'll tell you this, in the first quarter, and uh, Justin, you may know this about me, I don't like to leave early. If I pay for a ticket, I'm staying till the bitter end, even if my team is getting slapped around. Uh, in the first quarter, Tulane went down 14 nothing, and it was not looking good for the Green Wave. They, their secondary did not seem to be able to stop USC's offense. They couldn't cover anybody deep. I was like, oh, man, this could be a long night. So I was already planning on bailing in the third quarter and going, you know, and doing something else in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. All of a sudden, Tulane ties it up, 14-14. We're like, yes, now it's a game. Literally, with like four minutes left in the first quarter, USC scores twice again. They go into the half leading 28-14. We're like, oh man, this is this is not good. The defense, because Tulane's offense was playing well. Long story short, it teeter-totters all game. Tulane comes out their first possession of the second half, they score. Then it then they try for they try for uh on another touchdown, a two-point conversion. It doesn't work. Oh no, this is not gonna be good. They were trailing late in the fourth quarter by 15 points. Only one other team has been able to overcome that in bowl history. Tulane's punter puts a punt down to the one-yard line in the very corner. USC's guy fumbles it out of bounds. USC takes control on the, uh, the one-yard line, Two plays later, safety. Tulane's within six points. They start the draw. They start their final drive. They had to convert, I think, two or three third downs. It was insane. And now the place is going crazy because we happened to be we had luckily bought our tickets on the visitor side, which Tulane ended up being the visitor. Now my daughter, who knows what sports are and can identify the difference between baseball and football and basketball, but doesn't really follow them. Through the course of this game, she has now evolved into one of those fans who is screaming and yelling and getting all excited. And it was, it was terrific to see. Tulane scores with nine seconds left to take the lead. Nine seconds. You, you know... From watching many football games, you know what Aaron Rodgers can do in nine seconds. You know what Tom Brady can do with nine seconds. Uh, unfortunately for USC, they could not do it in nine seconds. They tried some crazy razzle-dazzle play. If you Google it, it's one of those where they just keep lateraling all across the field side to side, but they're not getting anywhere. Finally, a Tulane defender tackles them. Tulane upsets USC uh, for what, what is being called, not by me, but by ESPN and a lot of college football analysts, one of the greatest turnarounds in program history in college football, that they went from 2-10 and 10 to 10-2 and 2 to Cotton Bowl champs in a year. So that was, it was, and then watching them present the, the trophies and seeing the confetti, it, it was just it was insane. And I'd been to an NFC championship game, which was fun. But there was something about this, I guess, because we had a connection to the team. Our daughter's an alum. A lot of our money is there. Uh, we, so it was like, this was this was crazy. And 
you know, when you're the underdog, there's there's that little something extra. So that was to this point in my life, and I don't know when I'll be at a game that's going to have more excitement than this one, but that was my highlight. From the 262, mine is the Ice Bowl. I was also at Woodstock. Come on, 262. What, you were on the moon too? This I uh, listen, that's the fun of texting. We never are really sure. If you want to jump in, 855-616-1620. We're talking about your most exciting in-person sports moment on WTMJ Nights. Your most exciting in-person sports moment. We've been sharing stories. We've heard people at all kinds of games doing all kinds of things. And now it's a Pete in Sebring, Florida, who wants to jump in. Hey, Pete. Dan. Uh, actually, Sorry, Dan. It's, uh, Dan. Dan. Dan, that's, that's okay. uh, Dan and Pete. I'm going to call you Pete. I like Pete better than Dan. So, uh, so Dan. Okay. No, Pete. <laughs> yes, Dan. Sorry. All right. So we were at a brewery game. We had luxury seats. And uh, we're right, right behind home plate. And... Uh, a guy named Chili, we're playing the Detroit Tigers, or not we, the Brewers were playing the <laughs> Detroit Tigers. And uh, uh, this huge guy was warming up in the batter's box. Uh, his, his first name was Chili. I, I can't remember if it's Palmer or Davis, but anyways, I digress. So anyway, somebody's yelling something derogatory at him, and he just went off. And he grabbed the first white guy he could see, and he just started slapping him around in the stands. And the guy's wife was hitting him with an umbrella because it was super hot that day, and it was nuts. They... It was abs- absolutely nuts. It's a true story. I can't make it up. I mean, Dad, you always call. You always call, and it's good. Always good to hear from you. Your stories always ring ninety nine percent true, and then there's always like some detail that I go. Wait a minute, is Dad trying to pull one over on me? It's the lady hitting him with an umbrella that I go, hmm, all right. Maybe this maybe this was back in the day when people were allowed to bring umbrellas into the stadium. Well, yeah, yeah, it was in the 90s, yeah, and it was okay. and the temperature was in the 90s, yes. All right, I'm, listen, I'm Dan, I, again, I believe you. I always, I always enjoy your tales. Thank you for sharing them. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, I like, I like too, Dan was not the first one to do this. Uh, there was somebody, well, I think it was Chris, who called, anybody who tells these stories and they happen to be sitting in good seats, have you noticed that, Justin? They have to throw in how every good time, their seats every were. Every time. It's like, hey, you know, like I didn't mention that I was in the 400 level at the Cotton Bowl. I, <laughs> I just left that part out. Uh, but I guess if I had been sitting on the sidelines, you know, 50-yard line or something, I would have gone, well, you know, I had really good seats, so I was able. Uh, no, I was up I was up uh, where the air was really thin. Um, it was, but but that AT, that Cowboy Stadium is ridiculous. Ridiculous. After the news, has wildlife ever, ever entered your house? Have you had an encounter with a animal that should be outside while you are inside i'll tell you why i'm asking this and we'll share our stories 855-616-1620 we'll do that all on the other side of the news after this on wtmj the day is over but the night has just begun this is wtmj nights live from the annex wealth management studios at the avenue here's your host brian noonan 
If the House of Representatives were Little League, uh, they'd call it for slaughter rule right now because Kevin McCarthy, as you heard, has lost his 11th vote. The House is now voting uh, as to whether they should adjourn until noon tomorrow. How about you? What? It's eight o'clock in Washington. How about you come back at nine, like a you know a regular person going to work? Do you really need that much time to uh, sleep one off? You know, adjourn tonight. Go about with your uh, you know your deal making, your finagling, all of that, and then come back at nine. You know, like the rest of us who have to go to work at a you know if you go to a regular job, most of us don't get to start at noon. You know. Jeff Wagner does, but he he also he's there well before he starts working uh, on the air. But anyway, so we all love to come in our homes, whether you live in a house, apartment, condo, whatever you do. Uh, and you know what should be in your house and you know what shouldn't be in your house. Really, the only animals that should be in your house are your cats, your dogs, your rabbits, you know, your whatever your pet is. You don't want to find any wild animals in your house. house but... I would like to know if you have 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talking text line, wild animals. And how did you deal with it? Because it's quite a shock. Uh, I saw this story, which made me think of it and recall a couple times that uh, we have been privy to wild beasts in our house. Uh, A woman in Australia got a wild surprise because she thought that her golden retriever's fake Tasmanian devil stuffed toy Well, it wasn't fake. It was an actual, real, live Tasmanian devil. Uh, She actually lives uh, in the state of Tasmania. Her name is Kristen Lynch. Uh, She went to reach for what she thought was a stuffed toy. Suddenly, it ran away. Now, if you've... A Tasmanian devil does not look like the cool Warner Brothers Tasmanian devil. They are not really good looking. They're a little bit scary. They got kind of a pointed snout, sharp teeth. She said, I went to reach for it, and the devil shot under the couch. If you did not know this, the Tasmanian devil is the world's largest carnivorous marsupial, according to National Geographic. It can go grow to around the size of a large house cat. There, did I? Did you like that uh, educator voice that I put on there, Justin? <laughs> that was great. That was yeah. That's that's because I want people to to say, "Oh, that was probably important." Yeah, no. He changed- I'm looking at the pictures now. I mean. Definitely could be a small cat or something. Yeah, they're not good looking, are they? If you saw that uh-uh. in your living room, how do you think you'd react? Oh, I would be terrified. <laughs> I would be too. I'm not going to lie. I could flex and go, I'm not scared of a Tasmanian devil in my house. I would be crying like a baby. I'd be running around. Ah! I'd have my skirt up over my head. Yeek, yeek. Like one of those old cartoons where uh, the woman sees the mouse and hops up on the table. Yeah, I mean some of these some of these pictures are cute, but I mean half of them <laughs> half of them are showing uh, his teeth, and I kind of think the other way around now. Well, because they do uh, they they do go crazy if they're cornered. You know, these are uh, it's not you know you see the you see the cartoon and the Tasmanian devil he goes crazy, he spins around, he causes a torn uh, thing, but they do fly into fits of rage when threatened by a predator uh so her husband comes out gets a broom and he's trying to he's trying to shoo the little tasmanian devil out of the house shoo 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 tasmanian devil uh meanwhile she and her children get up on the kitchen table now that that may be a little much i don't know if you have to go that far uh but she gets up on the table with her children um she said, we were concerned that if uh, she or he was cornered and scared, they would bite someone. Uh, I got the fright of my life, but to be honest, I think the poor thing was more terrified than us. Probably, because it's, you know, 
It's an animal. All of a sudden, it's in a house going, what am I doing in here? Then some lunatic is coming at it with a broom. Like, ah, I got to get out of here too. So the young, uh, the young Tasmanian devil did not appear hurt. They think that it came in and like followed the dog in the house. So she said the dog went out, you know, to do its business. And they think that the Tasmanian devil just scurried in after the dog. So it was in the house. Have you ever had an animal in your house, Justin, other than a domesticated pet? Hey, yeah, um, two, <laughs> two, two bad incidents. We had a skunk in the garage, and when Ooh. I was, that was like two years ago, and we had, when I was way little, maybe four years old, we had a squirrel get into our kitchen. They, like, gnawed through our screen door or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, and I was four, and I just, my mom was terrified, and she, I don't remember this, but she told me that she sent me to get the squirrel out of the out of the kitchen. She was too scared, so um, <laughs> there's that, and, oh, the skunk in the garage. That was terrifying, because I was right that, about to go walk my dog. Oh, my oh. God, not a good surprise. No, now, what did you do? Because did... We, we just opened to, it. We just kept it open. and <laughs> We checked it in about an hour, and it was gone. But then it had wandered out. Oh yeah, that was that was definitely a scary, stinky surprise. Did you get sprayed? Did the dog get sprayed? We not that time. My dog definitely has been sprayed before, but not that time. Uh, luckily, I saw it right there, right when I opened the garage door. Oh so, man, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that would because you know from a distance, a skunk looks pretty cool. I'm guessing up close, a skunk kind of looks like that Tasmanian devil. They don't look very friendly. No, not at all. Not at all. We, uh, we've had a couple. We had once at our first house, uh, we got a bird. A bird got in the house. It was in the basement. So I walked into the laundry room, and I heard the bird. I heard this flapping, and I'm like, whoa. And, they're, you know, a bird doesn't want to be in the house just like any other animal. So it was freaking out. And I called my dad, and he didn't know what to do. So I got a towel, and I kind of stalked this bird. I, I had closed the laundry room door, so I knew it was in there. And he was going, the bird was going nuts because it could see the windows. Now, I don't know how it came in because the windows were closed. So the bird, you know, part of the blame has to go to the bird for getting himself in this predicament. But once I was able to get it, he landed on a win the windowsill, and I just kind of launched the towel, and thankfully it dropped right over him. So once once a bird, and I didn't know this, I, I don't, you know, I get people who have birds as pets, they cover the cage because then the bird thinks it's night and they go to sleep, I guess. So the bird was dazed from the towel being over him, and I was able to scoop him up and take him outside. So that was good. Last year, something else happened. Uh, but I want to hear your stories too. 855-616-1620 from the 414. Last year, a raccoon got in the wall of the closet. Oh, ended up dying. What a smell and a mess. Yeah, that would be the worst. I think if, if the animal got in and then you couldn't get it out, that would be, that would be horrific. All right. I want to hear your stories of wildlife coming into your home. How did you deal with it? How do you think they got in? What was it? Did you just burn the house down and move? Share 855-616-1620. More after this, WTMJ Nights. Yeah, I don't know about uh, what's in your house, but I know it shouldn't be wildlife. 
started this out because a woman in uh, Tasmania, ironically enough, had a Tasmanian devil come in her house. She thought it was her dog's chewy toy. I'm uh, asking you what wild animal has come into your house, how you dealt with it. Chris is in Tulsa. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing tonight? I'm great, thanks. What got in your house? So we had uh, we had a possum that got into our garage, um, and I tried to problem solve it, and ended up getting a live trap. And with the recommendations of a couple coworkers, they said to use a, um, a fish fillet from McDonald's. Um, <laughs> and after I, you know, and after yep. 48 hours, I managed to catch it. Um, and I caught it, and it was probably the size of a um, a guinea pig, so it was a baby. Oh. Um, the, the issue was is my wife was six months pregnant, um, and I was just about to take it about two miles down on the Root River Parkway, and then she started crying because she was so emotional, and she said, <laughs> how can you separate this from its mother? Oh, and I no. said, well, I'm I'm still trying to work on projects in the garage. I can't have a little friend in there with me. <laughs> so what did you end up taking it where you had originally taken it or did you just relocate it closer I, so no, maybe I, it could find its mom? <laughs> no, I definitely took it took it uh to the Root River Parkway and and dropped it off in nature. Uh so it was it was away from our house, but you know, she was <laughs> The emotions definitely got to her and, you know, made me feel a little bad. But either way, everybody ended up okay. Yeah. Well, I can imagine that, you know, your your wife expecting your child, things are, things are getting there. But once you give a possum a fillet of fish, they're going to keep coming back. That possum was not going anywhere else. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it got the taste of McDonald's and it didn't want anything else other than that. That's for sure. Right. Just like us. Chris, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, listen, if somebody's going to feed me McDonald's for free in the garage, I'm going to keep coming back, too. A uh, lot of possum stories. A lot of possums. Doug uh, Doug had a bat in his house flying blindly around. Then another one joined in, got both of them with a broom. Instead of killing two birds with one stone, killed two bats with one broom. All right, very nice. We my The story that Im immediately came to mind when I read this and the reason I brought this up is goes with a possum a common thread with most of us so we have two dogs and at the end of the night we just say okay potty for bedtime we open the sliding door they go down the deck into the yard now we don't have a real big yard but uh, there's an alley behind us and it's all fenced in so you know no worries about the dogs so i'm sitting in the living room my daughter was over visiting she and my wife let the dogs in and I see the one dog come in with something in his mouth. And I, at first I went just like this woman in Tasmania. Oh, he's got a toy. And then it hit me. No, he doesn't have a toy. I yelled, drop it. He drops a baby possum on the rug in the dining room. Now he freaks out the dog. Cause everybody's screaming. My wife and daughter are yelling. I start screaming. So, I had never really, I mean, I, we've all heard the term playing possum. I thought the dog had killed this possum. And it was it was kind of like uh, in uh, Chris's story, it was small. So I get a broom 
and I get a dustpan. And the possum's not moving. So I figure this possum is dead. I flip them into the dustpan and put them in a plastic garbage bag, like a grocery bag. And I take him out, and as I'm walking out to the alley, the bag starts to shake. And I'm like, oh, this possum is not dead at all. So I let I I open, I untie the bag and I kind of flip it because I don't want a possum jumping out of a bag at me. That would not be, I'm guessing it wouldn't be good. Because possums, while they say they are important, they look very scary. They have very sharp teeth and very sharp claws. So I flip the possum out of the bag, and it's sitting there for a minute, and I'm waiting, and I'm not moving. And then it kind of did one of those, and shook it off, and <laughs> shooting across the alley under somebody else's fence and took off. But yeah, once once the, those things are in your house, you just it just gets gets freaky. Um, from the 262, we had a bat appear in our living room. Can only guess it came in through the basement wood burner flue. Uh, he chased it with his fishing net, but was smaller than the mesh. I wish I had a video. Long story short, we left uh, in the porch and checked on it. Eventually, it flew away. Uh, Heather in West Bend says, we also had a bat flapping around that we got with a tennis racket. Oh, my. Lot of, wow. All right. So we're seeing a trend here. We had Justin, who had a skunk in his garage and squirrels that gnawed through his gnawed through his screen. That to me is even scarier, Justin. I got to be honest, than the raccoon in the garage. That the squirrels were so eager to get in your house. I don't know what was uh, cooking on the stove, but that the squirrels would gnaw through the screen door to try to get in. Yeah, right. That's amazing. A um, lot of possums, a lot of bats, a lot of squirrels. I the the clo only closer thing that we had. Um, one of our former houses backed up to some wetlands. And so one day I'm out there with the dogs. And my dogs, I love my dogs. They're not the smartest dogs in the world. So I'm sitting on the patio and the dogs are playing in the yard. And up comes a coyote from the wetlands. And the coyote sees me sees my dogs and just trots up like it wants to play. Now my dogs are preoccupied with some, they don't even see the coyote. So <laughs> I have to get up and, you know, make a lot of noise. And they're looking at me like, what are you doing? And the coyote's like, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to be here. So the coyote took off. And one other story, we also would get deer back there. So there was a giant, a giant doe in our backyard. And one of my dogs came running around the corner <laughs> And did wasn't paying attention and slammed right into the deer, right into the side of the deer, bounced back, looked at this deer. The deer looked at him. The dog took off back to the house, and the deer then just trotted off back down into the wetlands and went on, on about her way. So, I don't know. I, it's it's always fun when nature shows up where it's not supposed to be, but sometimes not as much fun getting it out if it's actually made it to your house. You guys with the bats, that is that is freaky. All right, we got to do this. Then, hey, guess what? There's more COVID coming. Yay! I'll talk about it with you on the other side. WTFJ. One last wildlife story in your house from the 414. We have a dog who finds baby bunnies, and she's a mama. She has multiple times brought found baby bunnies in, puts them on the carpet or on the bed, and sits there and takes care of them. Oh, there's a part of me that thinks that's sweet. 
then there's a part of me that's like, oh, I don't know if I want wild bunnies in my house. I want, so what? I would like to know how long, 414, you got to follow up on this. How long do you leave the bunnies before you release them? Or do you now have a house that has one dog and a thousand rabbits in it? See, Justin, these are the questions we need answered. That's a, that's a phenomenal opening salvo with that text. But now I have too many questions. You know I'm a curious guy. So curious, in fact, that I'm wondering how often do you think about COVID? I try not to think about it too much. I had an appointment today at a place where they said, uh, you know, you had to wear a mask, which is fine. If you're at a, you know, it was a doctor's office. I don't mind that. Uh, because now the World Health Organization is sounding an alarm on the latest COVID strain, saying it is highly transmissible. Oh, that's good news, isn't it? Just when we were hoping that it was gone, but we knew it really wasn't. Uh, the coronavirus Omicron strain XBB.1.5. If you're out shopping for me, don't get me that. It's become the dominant strain in the U.S. in just a matter of weeks. It could drive a new wave of cases, they're saying. We're concerned about its growth advantage, in particular in some countries in Europe and the northeast part of the United States. It has rapidly replaced other circulating sub-variants. Uh, so... What they don't know at the World Health Organization is whether it's more severe than the other circulating subvariants. I don't know. Do you think about do you think about COVID, Justin, when you're going out anymore? Do you like I didn't wear a mask at the Cotton Bowl. There were thousands and thousands of people. I had one in case they said you had to wear one, but once they didn't, I didn't. I'm vaccinated. I've had COVID. I don't I don't really think about it too much anymore. Does it play upon your mind, young man? Yeah, no, not. And not, I don't believe I just so called you anymore. young man like I'm a grandfather. Oh <laughs> uh, no, not so much anymore. I mean, I'll wear a mask, obviously, because you you still need to when you go to a doctor's appointment or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I, no, not too much anymore. I mean, I try not to, at least. Yeah, we. I got an email from the hotel we were going to stay at. You know, it's one of those. Hey, we're looking forward to you coming and blah 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 blah. And it said uh, masks are required in all public areas. And I was like, oh, all right, well that's fine. Okay. Uh, we brought our mask. Nobody at the hotel had a mask on. Nobody was wearing a mask. None of the staff at the you know the continental breakfast. Nobody had a mask on. So that was that. But be on the lookout. I'm sure we'll hear more about Omicron XBB.1.5. It's it's. Out there and it's lurking. Oh, uh, so much more to talk to in the final half hour of the program. We'll get to that as soon as we are done visiting the WTMJ 24-hour newsroom where Finn Askin has been waiting patiently. Yes, it is. We are here until eight o'clock. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Dominic Catronio. So that's coming up. After tomorrow, maybe we don't have to work anymore, Justin. Tomorrow is the big mega millions drawing. Oh my gosh, I have. Uh, would you be Would you be impressed if I told you I won the lottery last week? I would be pretty impressed. Don't be. I won two dollars on the mega millions. Rolled it back over into uh, that was last Friday's drawing. Won two bucks. Rolled it back into my. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm letting I'm letting it ride. I was playing with the house's money. So tomorrow. The drawing is already worth $940 million. And I had a conversation with my buddy the other day, and I just was like, hey, are you going to buy some tickets? Because now I I only will buy tickets to the Mega Millions or some other lottery jackpot. Once, it start, once they start reporting on it on the news, I'm like, oh, 
This must be a big one. And then I'll go and I'll spend like 10 bucks. Because I figure 10 bucks, it's a reasonable amount. You know, it's, uh, it's $10 for a few days or a few hours of dreaming. Now, I could do that for free. We all could do that for free. But there's something, there's something about knowing you have a chance. And when I say a chance, of course I mean one in like, uh, I don't know, 300 million. It's 300 million to one or something that you're going to, uh, that you're going to win this, but people do win. And, and I know I sound like a shill for the mega millions, but that's how I, that's how I, uh, frame it. And that's my wife does the same thing. We don't really, we don't, uh, you know, she would gamble all the time. I'm not going to lie to you. If, uh, you know, I've seen her. I've seen her when we've gone to uh, to Vegas or to a casino uh, around here. Uh, she loves the slots, the quarter slots. Oh man, she'll sit there all day playing the quarter slots. But uh, not me. I, you know, I'll play a little, uh, some poker, a little, little uh, blackjack. But I don't really like to gamble. But I will gamble ten bucks on the lottery, even though it's one in three hundred and three million. That's your. Uh, that's the odds. Have you bought a ticket, Justin, or are you anti uh, anti Mega Millions? I have not bought a ticket yet, but I wouldn't say I'm anti. I mean, I've bought tickets before, but not yet. You're not, a guy who doesn't need one. 940 million. You don't need <laughs> that kind of scratch. Hey, see, when you put it that way, I might I might need it. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't need 940 million? <laughs> exactly. Even Elon, he's lost a ton on Twitter. He needs 940 million more. Now, of course, you're not going to get. The nine hundred and forty million. Uh, that's what it's sitting at right now. By tomorrow, it's gonna. By tomorrow, it might be close to a billion. Uh, and we all know the deal, right? You can get paid out in an annuity. That's for suckers. Why would you take? Why would you let the government hold your money? That's dumb. They go, oh, but every year you get five percent more than last year. Yeah, there's a good chance if I win the lottery, I'm gonna do some uh, some things that are gonna shorten my lifespan. So I want all the money right now. That's when you take you take your. That's everybody says. Every financial advisor says you take the money in the lump sum, single cash payment. Uh, you get all the cash that's in the jackpot pool. They say uh, the option would leave the winner a single payment about $483 million. I'll take it. I'll take it all right now. Let's, let's get to it. Um, now, somebody, somebody in Wisconsin has won, but only once. Only once has a mega million winner come from Wisconsin. Uh, that was in September of 2020. Uh, someone in Racine won 120 million. Not bad. 95.4 million in cash. You got to be able to buy a nice house in Racine for 94 million. That's got to be that's got to be four bedrooms, don't you think? Yeah. I. So that's that. Um, you know, I was very excited. When I won, I know it was only two bucks, but I had already bought my ten dollars worth of Mega Millions for. This would have been for Tuesday's drawing, and then I pulled out my ticket from the day before. And while I don't always trust the machines, you know, that say, "Oh, come and scan your scan your ticket." Now I didn't trust them because it always says I had lost. So I'm like, "Are they? Is this a scam where it reads the tickets?" And then in disgust, you just kind of toss the ticket into the into the garbage can that they always have conveniently right next to the card reader. And then somebody gathers up the tickets and goes through and act, there's actually winners in there. But then a couple times, I've won. Now, I've only ever won $2. 
So maybe that's another scam. I don't know. But I was so excited. So I get my two and I, I went up to the clerk and I was like, hey, uh, I won two bucks. I'd like to get another another ticket. And while I'm standing there, a guy walks in and sees the machine and goes, whoa, a winner. I like to see that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, it's two bucks. He's like, yeah, but you won. So that's got, that's the mentality you got to have. You're going to win. Um, they do say the first thing you should do if you are the winner tomorrow, get a tax attorney and a tax accountant right away. Then get a financial advisor. Don't do what I would do and just go to the bank with that big cardboard check and cash it and then never be seen again. Because really, I got a feeling that might be what happens. If I would ever win that kind of money, I'm gone. Nobody will see me again. Nobody will hear from me again. Disappear. What about you, Justin? Would you shower people with money or would you take off? I was just thinking that. I think I would probably shower people with money, right? Well, it's, that's you. You're nice. I, not me. I'm gone. Not you. You're gone? Then somebody. Then here's the nice thing. I'm gone. But then maybe one day you wander out to the mailbox. Oh, look, somebody sent me a greeting card. It's not my birthday. $10,000? Where did this come from? No signature, nothing. Just go, wow. Somebody sent me ten grand. Just me being nice from my undisclosed location. Some bunker on a tropical island, surrounded by people who just bring me tiki drinks and fan me all day. <laughs> with my, with you know, I would have to have Wi-Fi because I got to do something. But uh, you know, I'd still, you know, I'd, I'd still call in from the bunker. I'd still uh, do some shows, but I wouldn't prep them really hard. <laughs> I'd just show up. Uh, in Wisconsin, there's a second chance drawing weekly for otherwise losing tickets mailed into the state. Up to ten per envelope, prizes up to a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a good. That's a pretty good deal. I like. I give everybody a second chance. So there you go. Good luck tomorrow, everybody. If you've decided to play, and like Justin, he is uh, rabidly anti-lottery. He, I don't. I don't know why that happened. I don't know what brought that on. That you got so uh, did did a lottery agent kill uh, kill a family member? Is that why you're so against it? No, no, no. I just you know I've never won anything big before. I think I've won like twenty bucks before. I mean, hey, two dollars from you, that's that's pretty good. I would I would be happy too because I've only won about twenty. Well, I've won big on game shows, like TV game shows. So I always figured that was my lottery winning. Yes, Adam, how are you? Doing good, Brian. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I was just going to say, I think what happened to Justin is he read Shirley Jackson's The Lottery and then realized it was not actually about how to win the lottery. <laughs> oh, that could be. There your you go. Hit, hit I like right your insight. Nail. Yes, that. all right. That could be. Well, it's a chilling book, by the way, if you haven't read it. I haven't. And now that you've described it as chilling, I might be too scared to read it. Because, you know. But I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands once I win this uh, Mega Millions. So, and I, I'll be able to hire somebody to talk me off the ledge if I get too uh, too nervous from the chilling book. All right. Well, that's good. We got to do we got to do some other things while we conjure up our uh, our dreams of what to do with our well, you know, most of us conjure up dreams of what to do with our winnings, and Justin conjures up dreams of why he didn't take a chance when he sees everybody around him is now a bazillionaire. Oh, so much more to get to before we get out of here. It's WTFJ Nights.
Brian Noonan here until 8 o'clock. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Dominic Catronio. If you have a baby, you are always on the lookout for new baby products to make your life easier. Uh, and in this day and age, there's no shortage of baby products. If you don't know, the Consumer Electronics Show is going on this week in Las Vegas, and there's always new and exciting things for every age and every demographic. Uh, and new parents are a perfect target. There is a new stroller, and if you've had to buy a... Now, I remember, my daughter's 26, for reference. When we bought her stroller, it was, you know, it was, it was a pretty big investment. And, and, and I've seen my brothers, for my nieces, buy strollers, and uh, my friends who have newer, newer babies. These things are expensive, but not $3,300 expensive. But there is a new stroller at CES this week that lists for $3,300. Why, you may ask? What is it about this stroller? Does it uh, talk to you? Does it lull your baby to sleep? Does it, in fact, drive itself? Yeah, it drives itself. Because nothing says, oh, I'm a concerned parent, than putting my baby in a stroller that will drive itself around. But... A lot of people have more money than sense and haven't been uh, paying attention to, uh, you know, some of the travails of the self-driving car. So a Canadian-based uh, baby company, Glucksind, uh, are showing off the Ella, the Ella Al-powered smart stroller at this year's CES. Uh, it's like a Tesla with autopilot. The uh, Glucksklin's stroller onboard technology has sensors that detect objects around it, but it's meant to serve as, quote, an extra pair of eyes and an extra set of hands, according to the website, not a replacement for a caregiver. All right, there's the disclaimer. So if you put your baby in this self-driving stroller and it, I don't know, drives off a cliff, they go, well, we told you it didn't make up for having a caregiver. You just got to keep doing it. It's able to drive itself for hands-free strolling, but only, but only when a child is not inside. Explain to me how that makes any sense. Well, we're going to build this stroller. It's going to drive itself. Baby can't be in it when it drives itself, but it'll drive itself. There's a part of me, as much as I make, make fun of it, that that part does kind of make sense. So, you know, if you're walking or your kid, we've all had... Anybody who's a parent has had your child in a stroller and then they get antsy in the stroller and they want to get out and they either want to walk or they want to be carried. Well, you know, if you have to carry the kid and push the stroller or walk holding your child's hand and push the stroller, it's a pain. So that's where they say, well, look at this. The stroller will just walk along with you. You've got your baby. You don't need to worry about the stroller. We care about you parents. We've made this stroller that'll just walk alongside you. But people are understandably nervous about putting their baby in a stroller with a mind of its own. Uh, but the company put out a YouTube video with some use cases. A parent walking a stroller down a hill rushes to save a child's drop toy that is rolling away. The stroller breaks on its own. <gasps> what? That's phenomenal. In another demo, a child is tired of sitting in the stroller, wants to get carried. The stroller strolls itself while the parent carries the child. Uh... The software and the tech hasn't really been proven totally. Certainly not ready for wide distribution, but 
the company is taking uh, taking money, and you can get on the waiting list. That's right, thirty three bucks, thirty three bucks for thirty three hundred bucks. Sorry, for a to get on the pre order list. This stroller weighs thirty pounds. And it has won an Innovation Awards honoree at the uh, 2023 Consumer Electronics Show. I am so happy that I don't have to worry about this anymore. I, I, I see my one of my good friends uh, just had a baby. Well, his wife had the baby uh, a month ago, right before Christmas. And they have a two-year-old. And I watched the advancements in, like, car seats and their strollers, because uh, the two-year-old would has stayed with us a couple times, and the strollers and the car seats and all this stuff for for kids has gotten so crazy and so high tech. I'm glad I'm glad I don't have to deal with it anymore. Because there's not there's not a as much as I love my daughter. There's not a chance I would have bought a $3,300 stroller. Justin, someday you may or may not have children. If you do, would you trust your infant in a self-driving stroller? Would I trust it? I mean, if it's over three grand, I feel like I would have to trust it. But um, I would, I would, <laughs> really, so 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 your trust can be bought. If you're if I have a high enough price tag, you're going to think I'm trustworthy. Is that I what guess, you're saying? I guess so. If you put it that wow. way. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I did put it that way, and you didn't disagree. So we'll we'll uh, we'll put that that that's the uh, that's the way you roll. You <laughs> you know you capture uh, raccoons in, or skunks in your garage, and you can be bought. There we go. Your trust there, can be bought. There we go. <laughs> I like it very much. All right. Uh, we're gonna do this real quick, and then we'll come back. And a man has broken a world record. I didn't know it needed to be set. I'm wondering if you thought it needed to be set. I'll explain after this. WTMJ. This is WTMJ Nights. All right, we're here for a couple more minutes. Then after the 8 o'clock news, it's Brewers Weekly with Dominic Catronio. So make sure you stick around for that. If you're looking for a way to make a little, uh, you know, some headlines, why don't you try to break a Guinness World Record? I There's a lot of Guinness World Records. Uh, one Idaho man has more than 250 unofficially. Uh, he broke another record uh, when he used his feet to pop 100 balloons in 22.38 seconds. Now, I used to think that Guinness World Records were impressive. But then I see this, and I'm like, okay. Plus, he's got 250 of them. It can't be that hard. David Rush is his name. He's broken more than 250 Guinness World Records to promote STEM education. Um, took him five attempts to successfully pop all 100 balloons with a time of 22.38 seconds, breaking the previous records of record of 24.98 seconds, which was set by a man in Pakistan last February. Uh, he's now awaiting word from Guinness World Records about whether his attempt was officially successful. What do you think that call goes like? Hey, uh... It's me, David Rush from Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy with 250 records. I just popped a bunch of balloons with my bare feet. And the people at Guinness are like, okay. All right, David, we'll send somebody to check it out. Ugh, crazy. All right, I, the news is coming up. And then it's Brewers Weekly with Dominic Catronio. Thank you for listening and being part of the program. I'll be back with you next Tuesday night right here on WTMJ Nights.